Hey guys, welcome to the Behavior Tech's Anonymous podcast. I am your host, Ms. Ashley, and I'm a behavior tech. Let's reinforce some of my behaviors. Hey friends, thank you for coming to this episode of Behavior Tech's Anonymous. This is Miss Ashley, and I am happy to be here. I just want to apologize for this late posting of Behavior Text Anonymous. I'm supposed to be posting them on Tuesdays, and I'm posting this one on a Thursday. And that is due to an illness that I acquired from working with these kids. Um, that and it's just kind of like the season, you know, because it's fall. Uh, my lungs were a little bit scratchy, and it's just not even a little bit scratchy. Okay. I was really coughing a lot. Like it was, it was a little bit hard to breathe. It was a little scary there for a second, but I'm better now. Not completely, but I am better now. So where I can talk without, you know, hacking up a lung and I'm excited to kind of like get this podcast going. And that is because I've had a couple submissions from some of you guys, um, whether it's on Reddit or DMing me on Instagram or emailing me. I really appreciate it. Um, also encourage your friends to do this because it made me really, I had a lot of dopamine seeing these messages. Um, but no, I just got a couple like messages from people just asking me kind of stuff like what to do when their BCBA does this, that, or the other, or in a situation where a parent is saying this or that to them, um, or just like conflicts at work, or if I've ever like experienced anything like that. And it was really great. I did not get any about um, what to do with their clients, which was also great because again, RBTs cannot give you any kind of uh, behavioral guidance in that way. So, you know, and even if you like said it, like, I don't, I, I, don't want the BACB coming after me and being like, well, Miss Ashley, you know what you are doing. Like, yes, I know. I'm not going to do it. Chill. <sighs> anyway, I am going to share some of these um, with you guys now. Um, they're all anonymous because it's in the name. Behavior Text Anonymous. But yeah, so let's get started. Um, So this anonymous member sent me a message on Instagram and said the clinic that I just resigned from hired an employee as a BCBA intern and an RBT. However, they are not operating under an RBT certification. They don't have one, but they're billing that. I know this just because somebody told me, what can I do about it? Should I report it? How do I go about it? So I understand that you're like concerned over, you know, your ex company doing this that, or the other and possibly fraudulently billing. And I am under the belief system that if you suspect something to just report it and that goes for whether it's like child abuse or if you think that someone's being neglectful or in this case, I guess, if you believe that somebody's being fraudulent. I would also suggest though, not just like throwing out those accusations because again, like you don't know if that's true or if that's fact. And it's a super serious offense, just like in any field to be billing fraudulently. So, I mean, RBTs don't really have a say over anything like that. And I don't, and the fact that you can't really prove it other than just like hearsay 
is just going to come back on you probably for gossiping. And that's just from my own experience that, you know, you just go and you talk about things that you don't a hundred percent know. And it can just, it causes more problems than it needs to. Now with you leaving or have left by now, you could try to bring it up to the clinical director unless you think that they're like in on it. But also there's still like a couple other things to remember. Like you don't have to be an RBT to get the fieldwork hours that you need to become a BCBA. I'm not sure that you would really need to be an RBT to get the BCBA intern stuff. I know that um, a lot of the companies that I know don't require that at all. You can get hired in as a BCBA intern without having your RBT certification. And I don't know if that's every company or if that's just in the state that I live in, but you really, um, my understanding is that you don't need it. Now I could be wrong. However, in this case, I think there's room for error because I don't really know too much about billing and I don't know anybody else who does except for, you know, like operation managers and maybe the clinical directors and stuff. But we don't really need to be too concerned with that. So if you are concerned that the old company that you worked with is engaging in that fraudulent billing, you can message the BACB and send in a report. Is it worth it? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, you just, I know that people are going to argue that it could impact the quality of the care for the clients, but if you're just doing that, if you're just trying to cause trouble just to cause trouble and not actually trying to be proactive and actually help people, I would just take a step back and just kind of take some deep breaths. I have had a lot of like, um, and I'm not saying that this is this person, that this is what they did, but I have, you know, worked at a couple places now, now that I'm elderly. And I know that there's a lot of people who get really frustrated when working in these environments and they quit and then they just like bash the company and they go after them and they report them for, you know, just like false accusations because they're upset at their managers because they were upset at their coworkers. And I know that it's come back to like, you know, like bite them. So unless you are willing to maybe like have to like really defend yourself if it comes to that or put up a fight, just be prepared to have to do that. It's not going to be nice. Um, I know that the last company that I worked for, the one before that, um, there was a lot of slander going on from one of the RBTs that had left and she had recruited like other RBTs also to kind of like go online and like, give the clinic like bad reviews and just like reach out to like parents actually too, like on the Facebook and kind of like try to get them to take their kids like out of the clinic and stuff. And that was just because they were upset over um, their hours getting cut, which did suck, but they took it like way too far. And now they can't use that place as like a reference, like a job reference. So yes, you like, we want to make sure that we're doing things for our clients. So report it, I guess, if you feel like it's going to impact the care but also understand that you're going to maybe have some repercussions on yourself if they find out that it was you. Or, you know, like don't put your name on something if you're not 100% sure that that's what's happening. So I don't know if that was very helpful or not, but I'm, you know, I try to stay very like 
behavior tech first on this podcast. And like, yes, the clients are important, you, all that stuff, but protect yourself for first and foremost, because it's not going to do anybody any good if you get yourself fired or like kicked out of the field. When you obviously care about the field and the kids because you are so worried about the billing and, you know, the proper insurance stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, also, I know that you said that you left. I hope that you went to maybe a new company or a new setting. I always suggest a new setting. If you're going to be leaving a company, just go to a different setting, preferably a school setting because school setting is where it's at. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I hope that was like a little bit helpful and that you maybe write back again with something else one day. That'd be really great. Anyway. All right. So the next anonymous member has something to do with um, session notes, specifically SOAP notes. And that is S-O-A-P notes. And what that is, is subjective, objective, assessment, and planned written out notes. Not all companies require SOAP notes. I don't like SOAP notes because they take forever to do because like the subjective part is where you just kind of write about like what you thought about the session and what they thought and like just stuff like what you got from the client. So like I played Barbies with the client and I thought that they were happy about it or I tried to train the parent on something and the parent seemed receptive, but didn't, seemed like they knew what they were doing when I asked them to show me. Um, so that's the subjective part. Objective is like everything you've done with the client. And that's just like regular across the board session note kind of stuff is just objectively stating what happened. There's no feeling words, by the way, just remember there's no feeling words when you are using the objective one. So it's just like, you can't say like my client was mad when they jumped on the Lego. You can't say that. You can say the client stomped their feet and cried after they jumped on the Lego and threw it. That's what you can say. You can't, no feeling words. And it's all just kind of like straight facts that happened during the session that you were working with them. And in the section, you're going to put down like, the accuracy for which they completed their stuff. Like they did eight out of 10 correct trials of touching the dog. And you can also put down there like what level of prompt it took to get them to do that. And then that brings us to the assessment portion of the soap note. And what this section is, is a place where you put down the growth that you are seeing. So you can go back and you can say in the last session, there was a 60% baseline for touching dog. And then in this session, you've seen it go up to 80% success for touching dog. And then here too, you can also like intermingle your subjective and objective notes. So maybe you put down when they were working on touching dog, they smiled the whole time and were happy. Or just say like they seemed happy. So this is where I don't really like soap notes that much because they're like, okay, so then be subjective. Like, what did you see? And then they're like, objective, don't use feeling words. And then assessment, they're like, use both. <laughs> it's like, what's the point? I already did it. Like, I feel like at this portion, it should just be like, 
I don't know, maybe like compare and contrast the data. And then usually clinics for this part require like two or three instances out of whatever, how many programs that you have to run to record them. And then that's it. Like that's all they really want you to do. Just restate that they are having some pretty steady progress in reaching their touch dog goal with very little prompts. And then there is um, the P of SOAP, and that's the planned part. And the planned part is kind of where the SOAP notes really do lose me because we're not supposed to, as RBTs, like make any plans, but like when we make the SOAP notes, we're supposed to be making plans. Granted, the plans are just like, um, next time we have a session, I will focus more on tacting a dog before I have them touch a dog or maybe stuff like the client will continue to work on farm animals over the next two weeks. During the next session, I will record how many farm animals they named without any prompts. And then you could even say like goal is three, but that's what a soap note is. I only had to use that at this one clinic that I worked at for just a little bit. And when they first said soap note, I was like, okay, so yeah, so just like a session note. So I wrote them up and they were like, yes, but also no. They guess they had like this whole system where they had separate little uh, boxes to put each one in. And I just made it on one full page because I just didn't know that there was a whole different system for them. But at the clinic that I was mainly at, what they did was they just had you write session notes. So and then the rule I kind of like made for myself because I wanted them to be like lengthy and full and not just, you know, lame because I want to do a good job and doing a good job means a lot to me. So I would do like two sentences for every 30 minutes that I worked with the client, which sounds maybe not like a lot, but once you have to actually sit down and do it, you're like, this is exhausting. And also what I do too is I kind of, as I go through every 30 minutes, I take out like my notes app in my phone and I just type out two sentences worth of things. And I just kind of put down like exactly what happened. And, you know, because I'm using my phone, my own personal device, I'm not putting any identifying factors in my little note. And then eventually when it came time to, you know, end the session, my session note was basically already completed and was pretty lengthy. Also, I can kind of feel myself starting to be a little bit more congested as I talk. So I'm so sorry if I'm sounding really weird right now. Please bear with me as I go through these. Anyway, so with the session notes, I that's kind of what I do. The soap note, I think, just like takes a lot more time because you have to like sit there and you have to really think about it. And a lot of companies give you 15 minutes at most. It's the most I've ever seen. Everywhere else, they're like, okay, you have to finish this in five minutes at the end of your session. And if you don't, then you're not going to get paid for it. Good luck. It's like a game to them trying to get us to work after hours. Like, why don't we get paid for doing session notes? Why can't you give us an extra 15 minutes after the client has ended? Just like block it out so we can just get it done. I actually said that to an operations manager one time. And they were like, well, if we do that, then people are going to use that 15 minutes for a break and not to write their notes. And I was like, girl, people got to pee. Out here wrestling with these kids and you're crying over 15 extra minutes. And they're acting like they have to pay for that 15 extra minutes too. That's what really gets me. That's what hurts my feelings. Because it's like, I'm not asking you for spare change, ma'am. I'm asking you 
to build this company the money that they owe me for doing my job, the job that they pay me for. I'm not doing any of this for free. So anyway, and then there's like, okay, so you do your soap notes or your session notes. I don't know anybody who actually reads them. I've never like have any feedback on my session notes before. I don't think anybody has ever read them. I think that they're in there as a formality for maybe the insurance companies, but I have never had like a BCBA read them and then come back to me to talk to me about it ever. Not one time ever in my life, but that is never going to stop me from trying to do a good job. I wish it would. I wish I could be like one of those people where I'd be like, oh, they're dead. They don't even care. I'm not even going to try. I, I want to be, I really do want to be, but alas, I am not. And now that I'm like rambling on, I just want to add that I think that my like two words or two sentences for every 30 minute thing might also work with the soap notes, but you're going to have to like pre-organize it, I think, before your session starts. And then maybe just add like little tidbits, like actually like little notes, like you could put down like tacting dog 80% and just like leave it at that. And then, you know, when the time comes around, you have to go through and you have to actually make those complete sentences. It's not fun. Session notes are not fun, especially if you have like that one client who just freaked out the whole time and you're just really stressed out and you're really tired and you don't want to do anything because you've been fighting for your life 24-7. And the last thing you are going to want to do is do some session notes. I promise you that's, it sucks. So pre-plan for those. That's my biggest advice. Um, I know they want to help writing the session notes, but that's, that's what I would do. Pre-plan, power through, help yourself. Because at the end of the day, I don't work for free in my session notes. If I can't get it done in that 15 minutes, I'm not, I can only get so much done. I don't want to hear nobody whine and cry about that. I, if I can't get any more done than the time that I have in the day to get stuff done, then it's not going to get done until the next day. Now, the session notes are different because a lot of people need the session notes in order to get billed. That's why I suggest the pre-planning thing. And if your clinic is anything like the one that I had been in at that time, you're not going to get a dime. You're not going to get a dime. Oh, and you also kind of want to be careful working on your session note. Like, don't start working on your full session note when you're in the middle of working with the client because what's going to happen is like someone's going to see you and they're going to see you pre-writing your session note and you're going to get in trouble. I've also had people um, make like a little template for themselves and type out a whole session note. And then when they go to like put it in, they just like erase the kid's name and put a different kid's name in there and like maybe change like one or two things, but then just send it out that way. And if it's like a basic overall template, like Oh, and then next week, little Johnny's going to do X, Y, Z. And then we're going to plan to do that. Like I, it's a fine line between being negligent and fraudulent and then just, you know, doing your job. Actually, in the school setting that I'm in right now, I have never written one session note in a school setting. And that's because the BCBA said that they get enough from the data that I take. So I don't know. Hope that's, hope that's okay. But I do not miss it. And I do not want to do it again, especially when I have this great assumption that nobody reads them. 
actually, I can kind of remember telling a BCBA that everything that I was telling them was in their session note. And they were like, oh, I just haven't got a chance to read it yet. I said, oh, do you normally read them? And they got really quiet and they were like, no, (laughs) just no. I mean, at least they were honest with me. But now I'm like, nobody reads these. Nobody's sitting here and reading these, which is annoying. All right. But I do hope that that was also helpful. My whole goal is to just be helpful. I probably say that word like a million times when I'm like working with anybody or when I'm doing this podcast. I'm always just like, I just want to be helpful. I just want to be helpful. So I don't know. If you want to reinforce me and just send me a message telling me I'm helpful, that would be really great. Anywho, I've got one more uh, message that I want to like share with you guys before I uh, wrap this baby up. All right. So this anonymous friend says, I am super drained with my client. I don't really know what to do at this point. I've been working with them for over two years and I feel like the progress that we had made before is slowly going down. I'm burnt off of the client and the client is burnt off of me. Also, the parents are not being great either. Where they used to be super receptive and responsible with doing things on her behavior plan, they're now ignoring me and acting like the plan is beneath them. I have also noticed that they keep asking me to do certain little things around the house. Like I was going upstairs with my client and the mom had asked me if I could just grab the clothes basket and take it up with her as we went up the stairs into her room. I made the mistake of saying yes, and since then it has escalated to where she wants me to do other like little small things, like sweep up a spot or pick up some couch pillows and fluff them when I'm in the middle of the session. I feel silly bringing this up to my BCBA. She's really supportive and she supports everything that I do and say, but I'm not sure how to tell her that I don't want to do this anymore. I'm very uncomfortable. Do you have any advice? Yes, I do have some advice. And my advice to you would be to quit. (laughs) Sorry, I made myself laugh. But no, honestly, sweetie, like that's ridiculous. Don't be doing stuff like that. I understand like trying to be helpful and building relationships and stuff. That's a big factor in it. But don't be carrying up people's laundry. I could barely carry up my own laundry and all these other people won't be wanting me to carry up laundry for them. That's not happening. That's not going to go down well. And I think that you have reached your maximum point, like over two years with the same client and their progress is going down. I think it should be really easy for you to tell your super supportive BCBA about it. I'm sure they are also seeing the decline in their data progress and stuff. So really, like, I really feel like that conversation with them is going to be really easy. Just to, like, let them know, like, your actual concerns. And I'm sure there's other clients that you can go to. Also, I would suggest that if you are able to or if you're comfortable to, to make sure that you are telling mom no when that's happening. Sometimes we forget that we're able to stick up for ourselves, especially when we're in like other people's homes and in their spaces when they ask us or tell us to do something. And it's okay for us to just be like, no, I am not doing that. That's not part of my job. Like I had a parent ask me one time if um, I could unload their dishwasher or sorry, no, they told me they wanted me to show their kid how to unload the dishwasher. And I knew it was a ruse. So I messaged my BCBA and I let them know. And they were like, no, don't do that. (laughs) 
if they want if they want to talk about unloading the dishwasher, mom can let me know and we can figure out a plan for that. And I was like, okay, cool. Because I did not want to touch their dishes and put them away. And I don't know why parents want us to do like chores <laughs> when we're there. It's a very common theme. It's not just from like this poster or like my experience. Like I hear it a lot how parents are just like, well, if you're just going to be doing this, this, or this. And sometimes I feel like they just forget. Like we're just like another set of hands. And I think that they're like thankful for us, but they're just like, get to work. <laughs> like you got time to lean, you got time to clean, and this house is a mess. And, you know, meanwhile, you're waiting for their child to finish going to the bathroom so you can teach them how to wash their hands. I also feel like maybe there should be like a limit on how long we can work with the client just to avoid kind of stuff like this from happening. Cause you know, I've also had that happen to me too, where I was just with this client for so long. I felt like I was raising them more than anything else. And I was like, this, this has to stop. This, this is cannot go on. It just cannot. And hopefully like me, you have a great BCBA who's willing to listen to you. Now, for those who are like my BCBA would just tell me to shut up. I am so sorry. And you should actually like quit your job or try to find somewhere else to go. And I'm always like really quick to jump to the quitting because in my experience, like talking about it with like the clinical director or whoever's in charge and stuff just hasn't gone anywhere. And it's like turned sour against me or whatever RBT like went up to confront them. Even if they have like an open communication policy, like if people tell me that, if they if they come out and they say, hey, we have an open communication policy, I um, I automatically assume it's a lie. I like a trick. Like they're trying to trick me into being a little gossiper and it's going to come back on me. I really don't want to be playing any little games at work. I'm already stressed out and struggling with this kid. I don't need a, an adult coming around trying to get me to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And then, so yeah, so talk to your BCBA about it. See what they have to say. I'm assuming that you would get moved to a different client. And I know like a big issue for a lot of people is like they want to be the ones to tell the parents. I feel like that's up to the BCBA. That's their whole job. Let them support you in that way because you guys are a team and you do your part, they should be doing their part too. But I just want to thank everybody for sending me those things. Um, and I just want to like encourage anybody else. Like if you want to share a story with me or ask me any questions, just let me know. Um, and you know, you can contact me everywhere. <laughs> you can email me at hello at behaviortextanonymous.com. You could find me on Instagram at Behavior Text Anonymous there. I post a lot of stuff there, by the way. Not a lot. I try to. I discovered Canva, and I am a big fan. So check it out. I've been doing a lot of good stuff on there. Um, you could also just message me on the Facebook. Um, what is that? Oh, my little Facebook group, uh, Behavior Text Anonymous. Type in Behavior Text Anonymous, and I'm hoping that you'll just find me, Okay. Um, I got a lot of good stuff to say, and I'm really trying to help like build a community. So any little thing helps, even if you're just going to go on there and like, like one thing or share something or send this podcast to your friends, you know, just like really whatever you want to do with it. That would be really helpful. Like I would really love that. I would love it so much, but yeah. So if you want to share anything with me, a question, a story, you know, just remember 
no identifying factors for clients, no sharing names. I cannot answer any behavior plan questions. But everything else, go ahead, feel free to share with me. If you are comfortable with it, I can share it on the podcast to make it fun. And yeah, I just think that would be super cool. All right, so now we're going to close out with another one of our RBT ethics codes. And this one is ethics code 1.04. RBTs are never employers of their supervisor. RBTs who are also trainees, example, accruing supervised field work toward a future BCBA or BCABA certification application, may separately contract for those supervision services. So RBTs are never employers of their supervisors and they have to separately contract out for supervision services. I don't like that separately contract for those supervision services because I mean, that to me sounds like you, you're going to pay for supervision. The BCBA is going to do the behavior plans and stuff. You're going to do all this hard work and then you're going to pay them to make sure that you get your supervision hours. That seems like a trap to me. But anyway, that's in the ethics code. So enjoy. And you can find the ethics code on the BACB website. You just type it in and it should like pop up. All right. So that concludes this episode of Behavior Text Anonymous. Again, I'm sorry for the late submission. I hope that you enjoyed hearing from some other behavior techs. And I am actually like really hoping that I can figure out this whole (laughs) podcast thing to get somebody else on here with me, just like, you know, as like a special guest. So please remember to like, share, subscribe, send it out, everything else you have to do. And I will see you not this coming Tuesday, but next Tuesday, because I upload every two Tuesdays, except for today. It was a Thursday because I was sick. Okay. Thank you. Bye.